Hi, and welcome to episode 186 of the Untethered Podcast. Today we have Gina Motze joining us. Gina is a Navy veteran turned IBCLC, mom of four, including twins, with one on the way. She's got a ton of experience with ties from her own kids and has been handling many cases in her private practice lately. She lives in an interesting area where she sees a lot of moms near the cities of Norfolk, Virginia Beach, Chesapeake, and also those living in remote or desolate areas in rural North Carolina and the Outer Banks. Quick disclaimer, all information, content, and material of this podcast are the opinions of the speakers and is for the informational purpose only and not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified healthcare provider. Welcome to the Untethered Podcast. I am your host, Hallie Balkin. I'm a certified orofacial myologist, feeding specialist, and mentor. This podcast is all about getting your questions answered and collaborating with colleagues to bring you the most up-to-date information in the orofacial myofunctional therapy, tethered oral tissue, and airway space. I challenge you to keep an open mind and join my mission to get this information out to the masses. Let's get started. Dina, welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited to chat today. Hi, it's so nice being here. I've been so excited to talk to you. (laughs) Well, I mean, everyone just heard you're a Navy veteran, you know, mama turned IBCLC. Um, Will you tell us a bit about like your story and how you felt into this specialty arena? Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. So growing up, I saw my mom breastfeeding. I didn't think anything of it when I had my first. So I didn't do quite enough research. So I had some struggles with latching in the beginning and depended on a shield for three months. <laughs> and I finally just threw it in the garbage. I was like, I'm, I'm done because I did go to an IBCLC in the hospital, but she didn't like set me up for a follow-up appointment. I didn't know. I was gosh, uh, like 24 at the time. So I was one of the only people I knew that was breastfeeding really, um, out of all of my friends, like I was in San Diego, um, away from everybody. I had a few friends that were breastfeeding and they would try to help me out. And that's where I was like, I'm just, I'm a research freak. So I started researching everything I could and I worked it out. I mean, I had everything you can think of that went wrong. Um, mastitis twice in like two weeks, like it wouldn't go away. And of course they put me on antibiotics when it, it probably, it was probably inflammatory. (laughs) Um, just everything you can think of thrush, um, you know, Oh God, it was so painful. And really like he didn't, he doesn't have ties. I have looked him over. He has a beautiful set of teeth. He's always had great spacing no speech issues, no feeding issues, nothing. After that three month mark, we were good. But I figured out, I'm like, I should have just taken them to like, I wish I knew about craniosacral therapy because that would have helped. But I think he was just really tense from delivery. Um, And I noticed like in photos, looking back, like he was very tense sometimes, like turning one way. And I was like, huh, looking back, you know, I would have never known. Now now that you know. Yeah. And he was always so happy. So like the happiest baby gained well, had no supply issues. Thank God. I was nervous about that. And then, and then I got pregnant (laughs) nine months later and 
thank God with that too, I didn't have any supply issues. I was so lucky in that sense because most women do tend to switch to colostrum in the second trimester. So I was like, wow, okay. So I was still pumping at work and everything. And then I had my daughter, <laughs> Juliana. Yeah, she she's difficult. Um, not as a baby, hmm. no latching issues. I was never in pain. Um, she, I noticed a few things that were so much different. Like she's Coombs positive. So she lost weight rapidly. And then my supply was just insane. Like I had an oversupply from the start because I had to start, I was pumping in the hospital with, when she was under lights, they didn't give the billy blanket to make it easier. So I'm pumping and also trying to latch her and it was just a mess. And I think I created my own oversupply, but I had just stopped breastfeeding too. So I kind of expected it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so because of that and her gaining, she gained really quick. Like the first um, three weeks, I think she put on three pounds, three and a half pounds. Wow. And so, and I noticed something really strange. I was like, this is so weird. Like she's constantly like projectile vomiting after every feed. I think I changed my shirt six to 10 times a day. I'm not even kidding. Like, I'm like, this can't be normal. Um, so I started researching and I'm like, I think she has ties. And I was like, I don't even remember like where I got it from. I, I cannot for the life of me remember where I heard about ties. And I'm like, I looked in her mouth and just noticed like a really big, like it now I know is a double, it was a double tether lip tie. Um, super restrictive, but I had no nursing pain. So of course nobody took it seriously. They called her a happy spitter. Um, Even though you were changing your shirt like seven to nine times. Yeah. Yeah. I've had another baby. He never did this. Like this doesn't seem normal. I've been asking people and no one is saying this is normal. Um, They're like, my baby never did that. And it was like, it looked like a full feeding, which it wasn't, but. And then what she was still gaining though, right? She was literally the fattest baby. (laughs) We're like, Like, yeah. By I think 14 weeks old, she was 16 pounds. Um, so she was a big baby. Um, and maybe bigger than that, like 16 and a half, almost 17 pounds. So they were like, it's fine. And I'm like, but something's off. And so it just, it kept going on and on. I kept doing research. Um, I would, I went, we moved, I got out four months after she was born, we moved to Pensacola. Um, so immediately I went to, I was like, I can't find an, or like a release provider. I didn't know what to do. I was like, okay. So I went to the ENTs and I had two men walk in and they're like, this doesn't cause breastfeeding issues. At that, <laughs> at that point, I, had, more, really. I would love for yeah. you to school me on this. <laughs> yeah. At that point I was like, um, you know, I had just started going to school for, um, maternal child health and human lactation. So I was learning and I was, you know, obviously still researching. And I looked at them and I'm like, how do you know that? Because everything I've seen points to say it does. And they're like, well, there's no proof. And I'm like, but, but we'll do it. We'll just have to put her under general anesthesia and then cut and stitch. And I was like, no, (laughs) there's going to be a different. That drives me crazy. I've actually heard that I had a military based family up in Maryland and they, it wasn't Walter Reed. They went to another, I want to say it was like one of the Virginia, um, based hospitals and 
the ENT there said the same thing about the tongue tie because I identified yeah. it and this poor child could not elevate their tongue at all. Oh gosh. <laughs> all kinds of like but serious health issues, serious health issues because of it. And the doctor said the exact same thing. Well, I don't see it, but I'll release it if you want me to. <laughs> we like electrocautery. And we were like, whoa, back up. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I hear it a lot up here, even with the ENTs just saying, we'll release it. If we like, like, if you don't believe it's there or you don't see it, you should not be doing the procedure. Like, and that obviously makes it harder for parents to have to go find somebody else. But like, it's like PSA, if someone doesn't see what you're seeing or doesn't believe it, please don't let them touch your child. <laughs> I know. And I have a story about that too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was like, I ran out of there and I was like, they're like, do you want to set the appointment? I was like, absolutely not. And I switched, I switched from prime to select so that I could just take her out wherever. And yeah. I was like, this was the worst experience ever because I also had, you know, I had a one random checkup and I actually like, I booked it mostly so that I could actually get my free breast pump <laughs> for once because like they started covering it. So do you think your supply is okay and she was 10 months old at the time and I was like look at her relevant. <laughs> like what, what? <laughs> so I was like this place is they're clueless and I'm, I'm not really shocked about that in that area and it's gotten better but um yeah Penn School was really lacking and then I finally found somebody I was asking around asking around and I finally found a dentist that's like I do like two of these a day it's like yeah get her in um and because her teeth, at, I think she was 20 months old when I finally got her in, her teeth were decaying rapidly. Wow. But it was really bad. Um, like I said, she, I spent a lot of money on this. I, <laughs> was it been, like her upper, like central incisors, like on either side oh, of the top or the front four, um, oh, and, like started, cool. and wow. it started even going farther. And he's like, yeah, this is like, there's pockets back here. So it was like, and I had taken her to a dentist prior to that that told me to stop breastfeeding at night or brush teeth after. And I looked at her and I was like, you don't know what you're talking about. You should probably not. Yeah, I was, I was arguing with her. She's like, bring in the research papers. And I was like, no, I'm firing you. <laughs> like, I'm not proving anything to you. Yeah. Bye. I'm like, you can look it up yourself. Like, you're a little behind. Um, you shouldn't be telling parents that. It's kind of crazy. Oh. Um. And so I fired her and I went to this other dentist and he was amazing. And he was very empathetic about everything. And it was just like, I was like, finally, I found somebody that like can help me. And he, he helped so much with her teeth. And once he released it, there was no more issues with that. And then I was like, if there's a, if there's a lip tie that bad, there's gotta be a tongue tie. So oh, yeah. that got dismissed. And I was like, well, I guess I'll do that later. <laughs> And at the time I was like, I don't know what to do. So, um, that area is just, it, they lack a lot. Like, I don't even think that there was a myofunctional therapist in that area. I'm like thinking oh, wow. about it. Yeah. Um, and so we moved here and I really, I just started noticing her compensations getting worse and worse and her sleep. She started bedwetting. She started sleepwalking. Um, her, she's now even she's got like ADHD type of behaviors, but I, I know it's not ADHD. She's a very hyper, um, excited kid, which yeah. I love, <laughs> Siren. <laughs> but she, yeah, she, um, 
I can't say her R's or L's and it was she was mashing and she was thrusting her tongue forward and so I put her in speech language with I don't you know who Leah Shy is um, uh-huh. yeah. yeah yeah so she actually um was one of the initial creators on my course and yeah. so she's done a lot of work with me like we've done a lot of work together yeah I thought you guys knew each other yeah. pretty well and yeah. I couldn't remember but yeah I went I went to her office and started going there um I have to get her back in it's just been it was a crazy summer really yeah. crazy so um Dr. Hamlin um was who did the release and she's like one of the top in the area now and I love her and I there's a cranial psychotherapist out here I'm give them a shout out <laughs> Liz Chandler she's amazing and then Dr. Hamlin like just we all work so well together and we're, we love communicating and um so the reason I found Dr. Hamlin was because I had my twins in 20, April 2020 you know when the world shut down <laughs> I noticed right away I looked in their mouth to have babies and twins nonetheless yes and I was like oh man and I I looked in their mouth immediately I was like let me get in there (laughs) and I was like oh my goodness and it was both of them were just so like oh it was bad so Isla um was the one that I ended up doing the releases for because I couldn't mentally at the time handle doing two babies at once um crew he had still kind of does has a high palate but like his function is like perfect his teeth look really good it's so weird um but I noticed his speech is a little off so I'm gonna be putting him in speech too so I'll probably just throw them both in (laughs) um and but he always you know he didn't have any issues except the first week he was very ravenous and I noticed like his suck was so much stronger than hers and Mm. I'm like it's this high palate I just Mm. noticed because and then after that first week it was fine I'm like this is the weirdest thing (laughs) and then so interesting how babies I mean you got to see it firsthand how like two babies who maybe even sometimes have a very similar presentation function so differently right and it all comes we say like it comes down to function and like monitoring Mm -hmm. to know you know, everyone always like, I got people who come to me, they're like, well, my child looks like they have a tie, but they're functioning really well. And it's like, like you and I were talking before the podcast, well, some children yeah. compensate really, really well. And sometimes they can yeah. maintain those compensations and sometimes those compensations fall apart. And so yep. it's <laughs> so interesting to see this because I'm like, look, it's one thing if a baby's like compensating and struggling. It's another thing mm-hmm. if a baby's compensating and thriving, like we probably don't want to rock that boat right now. Let's, let's monitor yeah. and see what happens and like we're not waiting for something to fall apart we're basically monitoring like very actively so that we know if we need to intervene but if a baby's feeding well like we don't want to mess with that necessarily it's such a like art and science and like it is and that's something that I always tell people is like you know if things are going really really well it's up to you if you want to be the one that yeah. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm like, look, things could worsen. Like there's no mm-hmm. guarantee or magic. I've seen that too. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Like we don't know. And, and sometimes even those kiddos who need it so desperately, it gets a little worse before it gets better. And it's mm-hmm. like, I like to make sure that like our babies that are going in for releases that they have 
a okay weight so that if they're like fifth percentile and they drop to first percentile, we're not like headed towards a few thing too. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it, you have to know the patient in front of you and you have to really know that dance of like, what can we get away with right now? Especially if they don't improve very quickly following the yeah. release because just it's everybody heals differently. Yeah. And you don't know when it, everything's going to go down and that it's just yeah. going to blow up in your face. And that's what happened with Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> so I was really monitoring their weight. Right. So I'm doing like weighted feeds, everything. I'm like, okay, every day I was weighing them. I'm like something, something's off. Mm. Um, I just had that gut instinct to keep really keep an eye on Isla and thank God I did because <laughs> I noticed like the latches between them two. Cause I was, you know, nursing both of them at the same time. And I'm like, hers is extremely weak. And she just had, you know, like very, a very weak jaw. Um, she was mouth breathing all the time. I'm like, I just knew I'm like this girl, she's gonna, she's eventually just gonna give up. And like at 10 weeks, like, yeah, she was not, she wasn't trying as hard as she had before. Um, to really, that. yeah. You see that in your practice where like babies will go and like that it's sometimes between like the three to five month mark, mm -hmm. like even if they were like managing to hold on or they were compensating really well, all of a sudden it's like certain reflexes integrate, like the swallowing reflex, you know, starts yeah. to integrate and just, or the automatic swallow reflex. Like we see things happen. And I feel like some of these babies are like, nope, like I'm, yeah. I'm done. Yeah. That's, like, that's exactly mean, her. Yeah. And she, I noticed her, her, um, stools would be go like, she'd go a day between sometimes and he's pooping like five, six times a day. And I'm like, so I brought it up to, cause we see a family doctor here and he was like, I'm not worried about her weight because she's on a growth curve and, uh, and he wasn't concerned about the pooping, but of course I am. I'm like, right. I know that most know doctors are like, <laughs> yeah, most doctors don't care about that. They're like, well, they're gaining. And I'm like, no, if, if like adults have to every day, baby should. <laughs> yeah it's and this started early on so I kept a close eye on her 10 weeks um she stopped gaining and it was like she was nursing just as much as crew was and she was not gaining and it was like that's when I was in frantic mode and I'm like yeah we got to get this taken care of soon and um just I, finding somebody with the world just shut down in July I'm like <sighs> so I had someone tell me they could and then they were like they don't they didn't really do them and I was like mm, no and then I finally you know I went and saw a, a craniosacral therapist and she's like I know somebody that can do the release and she's amazing and I was like tell me <laughs> and she yeah. said you know doctor yeah I was like oh my gosh finally and she said dr hamlin and um so I was like Awesome. So I called the office and she got me in pretty quickly within like a, I think it was a couple of weeks. Uh, I went in like mid August, um, of 2020. I got, I, and this is another thing she had, um, they're almost like indents from her buckle ties being so tight. I've never seen them like even to like, even on babies I see now, I've never seen them as tight as hers. It was insane. Um, and then, you know, she had a posterior tongue tie and a lip tie. And I was like, so she got all four done same day. Guess what? A week and a half later, she had put on like two pounds. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. She, I always like wonder like what Lily would have been like, had we actually done that 
when she was an infant because she was the same like first percentile but always on her own growth curve mm -hmm. and the kid would nurse like around the clock but like was the tiniest little thing and to this day I joke I'm like the kid could barely wear normal pants like she's got the tiniest waist and she's seven like it's just it's interesting to me and yeah. she had her 24 months but I'm like what would have happened had she had a release like in infancy you know it's just yeah it's just it was so cool just seeing her change her face change everything and she was, I had a really hard time bonding with her and it literally broke my heart because she was so stiff, so stiff, so angry all the time. She would high pitch scream and I would nurse her and just hand her to my husband. And I'm like, I can't, like, I was about to have a mental breakdown. Yeah. Anytime he was home, I'm like, please just take her. So I would just nurse and he would walk around and that's all she wanted to do. And then until like the release happened, <sighs> she was a completely different baby and then finally I was like this is how she's supposed to be because I had never had a baby out of the four of them so far it was just she was the only one that was like that and I was like this is not normal either like she was so stiff and even at cranial psychotherapy she was screaming the whole time just mad she didn't want anyone touching her so of course like when she got her releases done she was also very mad because she hated being swaddled um, I didn't swaddle anyway. Cause I'm like, there's no way I'm yeah, swaddling. Like, so I didn't care. And so when she had to get swaddled and restricted, she was mad. That's what she was mad about. It wasn't even like getting the releases done. Um, yeah, it was a swaddling. Her, it was a swaddling. She was angry. And then as soon as they undid it, she was like, <sighs> it's so amazing. Like Lily. So this of course is before like the recall of the, um, rock and play, but like <laughs> Lily slept in that till she was like, I don't know, almost a year old, like when she was yes. like an infant and I would put her in like a sleep sack. So she wouldn't like roll herself out. Cause she also rolled early. Um, yeah, she like had to be on an angle sleeping, but did not want to mm -hmm. lay in her crib, even like on, like even on a pitch and either that, or she was attached to me in my bed. Like yeah. And she was literally like on me all like 24 seven. So I used to like joke that basically the bar is closed, like milk bar is closed, but no, nope, Lily's still here. Okay. So, I mean, it was just, that was our reality and it was like painful. And I also, like, I talked to Taylor Kulik. I don't know if you follow her at all. Yeah, I do. We talked when we recorded together. I don't remember if it was like my podcast or hers, but I was like, yeah, wow. I never guess I never really stopped to like not say out loud, but like really like come to the realization that I also did not bond as much with her as I did with my second. And like yeah. to have that mom guilt of like not bonding with a baby because of like all that you've gone through and not to say we didn't bond, but definitely different. And definitely yeah. like, like when you're that exhausted and all you're doing is trying to feed your baby and they're miserable, like most mm -hmm. of the time. And because they're uncomfortable and they don't feel good. Like I would put her in a sleep sack and she would Houdini her hand like up and like her hand, she wasn't like swaddled. I mean, when she was an infant, like newborn and she was swaddled, she would do that too. So I'm like, I, I just should have known from like day one, my yeah. kids could hold their heads up straight at birth. Like they were those tight, yeah. tight <laughs> like, you know, all the things I know now, but it's, it's mm -hmm. just so, it's also fascinating when you start to realize like this is not normal. And I like would love to see every infant have some form of body work, whether it's like Cairo, osteo, CST, like it's, it's traumatic to be born, whether you're a C-section 
emotionally delivered baby, like it is traumatic for mom and baby <laughs> to go through birth. Yeah. And that's like one thing I always go over with um, mom and baby. I'm like, how did delivery go? And I was I mean, like, you know, it's, it's not only traumatic for you in situations, but for your baby. And sometimes, yeah, I'm, I'm very pro body work. I did it after Juliana and it was like really life-changing for all of us. But, um, and then we moved and I'm like, yeah, I don't know anything here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we moved a year ago and I'm still like searching for my, you know, I've, yeah. I found some individuals down here, but it's hard and everything yes. is like 45 minutes to an hour away. And I'm like, come on, can't somebody be yep. like, bye, like, can we like 15 minutes, 30 minutes max? Yeah. <laughs> and, then, like, having, and I like having reviews. Like I like hearing like, okay, how was your experience? And, and that's the other thing is like, I, I see so many patients that are like so skeptical, skeptical about so many things. And then they hear so many different things, especially from their pediatrician, which yeah. I know that they have their place, <laughs> but a lot of them do not refer out. Mm -hmm. So, and they're yeah. also not usually specialty trained in the work that you're doing or the work that, you know, I'm doing or my team, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, I feel like they only refer out when it's become a medical emergency or we're out almost at the point of medical yeah. emergency. Yeah. And I recently had someone that their baby in my terms was failure to thrive and their pediatrician, they were like, it's fine. I'm like, this baby's almost a month old and not back to birth weight. What are you talking about? What? Yeah. And then, um, you know, I gave, um, I gave her uh, a very popular, I'm sure you know who it is, the Dr. ENT in New York, <laughs> Dr. Siegel. Mm -hmm. um, I gave that information and I was like, I think you should go to him and I think you should get an actual diagnosis from somebody who is also a doctor if that's who you want to listen to and right. give you the correct information because he knows his stuff. And yeah. published, he's well- mm -hmm. You know, yeah, he's well yeah. known. He does lots of these. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, she got skeptical oh, because so the pediatrician, funny. and that happens a lot, a lot. Yes. More than it um, should, fortunately. Yeah. And which is you know, part of my passion behind all of this. I'm like, if we can put like the right information in the hands of parents, they can hopefully make their own decisions, yes. you know, like an educated decision. It's like, if you know that this could potentially help your child and you still choose not to do it, okay, you're edu you're yeah. making an educated decision. There's no shame in the game. But if you are almost like scared into believing that this is not going to do anything for your child and everybody's just happy cutting tongues like and lips, yeah. of course you're going to kind of go like, you know what? This is not for my child. I don't want you cutting them. Like that's, it sounds like a scary thing when you don't really yeah understand the benefit or how many children is truly helping and it's also like we're not just going around cutting you know tissues yeah I'm like, <laughs> it's very you know, strategic. Ev everyone has a front of but is it restrictive and that's what I say to the parents when I go see them because they're like is it like necessary I'm like honestly like I'm gonna lay out all of the information I'm gonna go over it all with you and that's, that's awesome. for you to decide and I'm gonna give you multiple ref uh, like ref referrals and references and um ultimately most of them end up getting a diagnosis. Some of them don't. Um, but I've had a couple of situations where, uh, I'll get somebody after a release in the pediatrician's office. <laughs> in the pediatrician's and, you know, office. 
yeah oh, yeah wow. so you know how that goes they they oh. get a, a, snip. a little snip snip mm-hmm. and I try to explain you know this, this probably if it was anterior you we probably missed that posterior tongue tie and Mm-hmm. That's why you're not seeing certain results. And then they're just like so skeptical about it. And I was like, yeah, that's why it's really important to, you know, get a full assessment done before. And it's not their fault because if they're desperate and they really want to see something improve. And I mean, I've been there. I think we all have been like yes. making a desperate yeah. decision. Um, but it's when you trust like, doctors, you trust yeah. the medical professionals in front of you. You figure that they have your best interest and your baby's best interest in mind. And, and, yeah. you know, professionals are well-meaning. However, <laughs> yeah, if they're not specifically like trained and they haven't done a functional assessment like you do, or I do, or, you know, yeah. and like some other dentists even do, if there isn't some type of a functional assessment being done, meaning like, is this interfering with tongue elevation, lateralization, meaning it's, you know, interfering with obviously these little infants are not speaking yet, but that could come later down the road, Mm -hmm. but mostly, um, feeding, right. Mostly whether it's breast or bottle sleep is the mouth open or closed. Is the tongue up on the palate, you know, all these little things that we look for. And there's obviously a lot more, but like, those are some of our main goals. If someone, if no one's even really looked at that and they're, you're just like, yeah, I'm struggling to breastfeed. And you're like, okay, let's do a little sip snip. Like, no, yeah, I, I know say, I've had, thank you so much, but let me do my research. <laughs> yeah, I know. I told them, I'm like, don't just, if they say, oh, do it right here in the office. Don't like, just yeah. don't <laughs> like, uh-huh. yes. And, stop. um, I've had, I mean, there was an ENT out here, um, that said, I'll cut it whether there's one there or not and I'm like then what are you cutting what (laughs) yeah so I was really upset about that I was like oh my gosh no and I've talked to other lactation consultants in the area about it and I'm just like it's really scary because what are they cutting yeah um right are they are they causing more pain um well and if the frenulum I mean like you said we all have a frenulum but if it's not too tight and they potentially cut tissue that's pliable and then it heals on itself and becomes tight when it wasn't a problem in the first place, we have now created a tongue tie. And then there's scar tissue. Right, right. And I mean, and now we've created a host of issues. So like, Mm -hmm. no, we don't just want to cut just to cut. Yeah. Um, So, you know, that's another thing, like, at least for me, I see more often than I want to. Um, And a lot of them team though, right? Like, it sounds like you've got a pretty deep team there. And now you're like kind of rural as well. So is your team close by to where you are? Do you have to like, do your people have to drive? Like what's that drive? Um, sometimes it's really hard to talk people into doing body work. And I know because it is a drive. I mean, one of the people that I've seen is two and a half hours from where they are. I'm an hour and a half from them, but then you tack on an hour. And yeah, so it's like, I try to give them stuff at home that they can do. Um, I try to send them, you know, links to things that they videos that they can watch, like anything that can help them. And that's another thing. I got a lot of people, um, who are like, what do I do if like, I don't have, you know, anybody around me, like, what do I do? And I'm like, that's where virtual can be really helpful, but it's a lot on you. Right. Um, And it's, it's up to you, like, if you're going to do it, how often you're going to do it. And um, 
I, a lot of them will make the drive to go see the release provider. Um, but sometimes not a lactation consultant. Um, right. And sometimes, you know, not the other therapies that are needed. Um, and I know that the cost out of pocket is another worry. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 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 It's, <laughs> it's the costs. I think that's a great topic because we see how. Well, I mean, you and I both have children who have gone through this, so we can yeah. see the cost of what it costs, both with infants that have releases, as well as other, like Mia, for example, went through PT on and off for eight months. And then we went to CST and osteo, which was like the saving grace at the end of it all. Um, and then we went yeah. and now she's going into upper and lower appliance and her mm-hmm. sister, you know, wasn't, I didn't discover it until she was already 24 months old and came back from my first myo course flipped her over. Like we were done breastfeeding at that point, but I looked at her and I was like, Oh, we probably could have still been breastfeeding. If I had known that you were yeah. trying to, okay, well then we, you know, we made it 13 months. So it was really painful for me. So I'm going to pat myself on the back there, but hey, <laughs> but it was yeah. the same, right. Like I tried to take her to the IBCLC at the pediatrician's office. And it was like, I, I always say this, like taking your car into the shop, like she was like, basically like, just get her naked and blow on her, keep her awake. Like um, uh, one of the suggestions was like, you know, kind of spritz water, like dunk, dunk your, dunk your hand in water. Like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm not putting water on my baby's face, like to wake her up, like yeah, something else and, has got, and basically and, told me I was positioning her wrong. She positioned her on like a breastfeeding pillow and was like, like a football hold, you know, position or whatever. And I was like, okay, yeah, great. And went home, could not recreate any of it. And I was like, okay, we're yep. back at school one. And I am basically that mom who went through the entire first year, just kind of like, well, I guess this is just how it is until I had my second child. And (laughs) I had fallen into Mayo and I I actually took my course. I was supposed to take it like in September, found out I was pregnant, moved it up to like June, took the Mayo course and then went through certification while I was pregnant and like completed it like right before she was due. And I'm like, yes, I'm that crazy person. And (laughs) But like when she, you know, when she was born, I was like, I'm just going to enjoy it for the 20 first 24 hours. I am not looking at her mouth. And the second I lashed her to me, I was like, oh man, <laughs> it's like, I already know it's, it's, it's Lily all over again. Like, here we go. So I was like, I barely have to look. It was also interesting because at that point, like the hospital had gag orders, but if the pediatrician diagnosed it, then they could talk about it. Like the outside pediatrician. So I'm a feeding, you know, specialist. I'm an SLP. Like I, I, I work with infants. I'm like, my child is tongue and lip tie. And they're like, oh, wow. Look at that. Like nobody's yeah. diagnosing or agreeing, but just like, do you need, you know? And I, and I was like, can you help me like position and whatever? And like, they were great. Like they were really, really wonderful. And I understand like, they have a tough job. Like they can't talk about it. Like they can lose their Mm -hmm. job. Like I'm not hating on them for that. It's the hospital. That's the problem. So then my pediatrician comes through and I show them and they were like, Oh yeah, we see it. And like, I'd already established a good relationship with them. Like they knew what I did. And so I don't think they would have assessed for it or looked for it, but because I said something, they were like, they looked and they're like, Oh, yep. We see what you're seeing. And I was like, yeah. do you want our hospital surgeon to release that for you and I was like wait a second my baby didn't have ties like 24 minutes ago but now that the outside pediatrician Mm -hmm. identified it now you I was like don't touch my kid yeah uh -uh. no I no no that's I I always try to tell 
people like they're like how come you know so much about this but then like the hospital obviously barely went over anything with me and I was like you know they have gag orders they mm-hmm. learn different things than we do it's up to them as well usually they're RNs first and then yeah. so it's like um we're pretty different they handle like the first like 24 hours usually unless they go to the NICU or something but I'm like for me like I'm constantly doing continuing education I get all the complex situations um yeah. and it's like really it's really tough for me too emotionally sometimes because I I have parents just crying to me and just like desperate and just and then I'm like I feel so bad (laughs) no it is like it's very especially if like you're that type of person who like takes on other people's energy and everything like it is a physically taxing space to work in because you're constantly taking on the energy of like your the dyad like not just the baby but like the mama who's really struggling and then sometimes you've got the parent who I don't know. We get a lot of dads who like, are like, is this really necessary? Do we really need to do this? Like, does it re- really a problem? We're like, yes, it's really a problem. Like, please, can you not make this situation worse? Everybody else questioning. <laughs> yeah. And then at the same time, it's like, another. yeah. Oh. And once they're like, I feel heard finally. And they're just crying. And then I'm like, I empathize. I understand. Cause I have been there too. Once somebody finally took me serious and I give them their referrals and I help them with prep, um, and that's another thing that's very important is the prep work and it makes less so much less traumatic and I don't think that's talked about enough um because it also it helps so much with the aftercare um and yeah a lot of people come to me and complain about that they just like rush it and they go in and then they seek the help after and I was like if you had we can see the difference we can see the difference like of the the parents and the babies who kind of rush in, like not really prepared. Mm-hmm. It's one, I mean, the, the nervous system, right? Like mm-hmm. the baby's nervous system and moms really like everybody's kind of just like in utter chaos and fight and flight. And, you know, we always, yeah. I always tell parents like we want to be in rest and digest, right? We want to, it's, there's going to be some, I don't want to say trauma, but like, well, there is some trauma to the body when you go through any type of a procedure. So if we can prep the body for that ahead of time and we can get everything aligned with the baby and then we can get you aligned, you know, and then we also make sure that everybody knows the protocol and that you feel comfortable going in your child's mouth to help, you know, guide healing and whatever else needs to be done. You know, it makes for just a much less stressful experience and a much, I don't want to call it an enjoyable experience, but like you can almost make it a bonding experience and you can make it a very positive one. And we see a massive difference in not just like how parents feel and how the baby responds, but the healing. And then the benefit of function increases as a result as well, because now we're all on the same page and we can actually, you know, what's the point of going through this procedure if we're not going to do everything we need to do after the fact. Right. But that takes ahead of time. So I know I'm preaching to the choir here. (laughs) Oh yeah. I totally get it. And you know, um, I, I see the difference too. It's like when they really take it serious, some people they're, they don't, and that's not, I mean, that's on them. I give them, you know, I lay out the cards and I'm like, here you go here's everything. Yeah. It's on them to do it. So then like, sometimes I can notice like afterwards is like when people are panicky, um, versus like very confident. And, um, and that's when I usually get a call back and I go do a checkup and, you know, go over everything again to refresh them. Um, 
But the other thing is I, I warn them ahead of time is like, you know, the fascia along with, it's like the tongues of the rudder, the fascia and the nervous system all are pretty intertwined. So yeah. if you notice your baby afterwards is like, sometimes they have the nursing strikes because they're just, their nervous system is just overloaded after that. Um, mm-hmm. So they'll have like a 24 hour, like I'm not nursing kind of thing. And then the parents freak out. And that's why I always warn them ahead of time. I'm like, you don't know what's going to happen until that release happens. You yeah. have no idea how they're going to handle. I've had babies where they are like smiling through the stretches and they're fine. But yeah, they're perfectly fine. I mean, it's, yeah. it's so much about like how their, their nervous system is prepped and how they respond to what's going on. And like, that's, I always tell parents, like, I don't like to do anything surrounding a feed because I don't want any negative association, mm-hmm. but like do yep. it when you take the diaper, do it when you're playing, do it at other times <laughs> so that it's like there, it's a separate experience. And I'm telling you, these babies are like so much, I mean, I'm not going to say every baby's like, Hey, let's do this. But like, there's so much more relaxed and ca- you don't want an upset baby, especially before you go to feed them. Like that's never ideal for anybody. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I tell them the same yeah. I'm like, don't, I would not do it around feeding. If anything, I would probably, you know, wait a little bit and then do it during, during the diaper changes or playtime when you're doing tummy time. And then you just kind of play around with them. And I always reiterate, you know, like allow them to let you in. Uh, don't just force it. Cause I, I always notice them and that's when it makes it hard and they kind of restrict everything back and they're like, uh, uh-uh. and they're like, it's really, really hard. And I'm like, kind of just play around first, rub their gums and then go under once they are like comfortable with you being in their mouth. And that's why the prep work helps yeah. when yeah. they're used it's, to it. It's so important. And I, it's like, we can preach this all day long and there's still going to be plenty of providers out there who unfortunately just release without any prep or, you know, I've even seen it where some of them will say that they require it but then like someone comes in for console and they just release same day. And I'm like, wait, what happened? Like we referred to them. You knew they came from us. Like we mm-hmm. have this, agree- like we try to have conversations with the providers where we're all on the same page and we all kind of say, okay, yes, this child is ready. This dyad is ready. This, you know, family unit is ready to proceed with the release. And that we all kind of like sign off on, you know, some actually, some people actually have actual forms that we sign off on. And then other ones, it's more like a verbal sign off. Um, mm-hmm. But then it's always interesting where you get someone who are like, you thought was on the same page and all of a sudden they're releasing kids with that pre, you know, any, yeah, yeah just, like, it's just, a, it's an uphill battle. <laughs> There's only been two times where I'm like, I don't even care about like body work beforehand. Cause this baby literally can't feed. Cause it's like a tied to the tip. I'm like, I will help them through it and just keep going to their house after and get them in. And that's, it's always people that are like really far away. Of course. <laughs> yeah. And those were situations where literally one baby didn't sleep for 24 hours. And I don't think the parents realized it because the baby couldn't actually latch. Um, and it was scary. I was like, yeah, we gotta, we gotta get things going. We gotta get you pumping. And like, we worked it out and I, I went with them to the release and I helped them right after. And it was like, it was a very, very restrictive tongue tie. That was actually, in my opinion, like one of those ones that you're like, you yeah, you can't, if your baby can't even really drink from a bottle, like this is, yeah. this is one that I'm like, okay with, and I will help you with the therapies after, and we'll get you in body work. And, and they usually listen and they do it, but it's like, 
that's a rare situation in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not like, we've had some situations where we, like I had a kiddo come who was like super close to being put on a feeding tube. And this parent thought for some reason, <laughs> the child was like nine months old or maybe six months old when they started with me. Um, and I remember the parent kept saying to me, but a baby can't go on a feeding tube until they're a year old. Right. And I was like, who told you that? Like, what? Oh my gosh. It was just like, it's the the kind of information, whether it was shared like accurately, or that's just what the parent heard, or, you know, it's, it's so, I love how like you're, you're so passionate about education, which I think is so important because we know it's a lot of information and it's a highly, like we talked about, it's a highly emotional and like energy draining experience. Mm -hmm. And to even remember half of what a provider tells you, like one versus the other, and then to have providers telling you opposite things. So it's like, things are like one provider is not reinforcing the next provider. Like, that's why I'm like, oh, when we can have a team that's all on the same page, it's just, it makes it so much easier for everybody, like including the parents and look, I'm all for having different views and doing your research and deciding what's the right path for you. But at the same time, I find that a lot of like, the doctors or professionals who are speaking like against a tongue tie release or even just an evaluation for it to figure out if that's what's even going on. They typically don't have any education in the space or their education was literally like 30 minutes in like med school <laughs> years ago. Like, and then there's like us who like, we're like knee deep in like thousands and thousands of hours of education surrounding like myo, it's like airway, like I'm doing the peed feedings that, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, like why it's just, so it's yeah it's a little frustrating. And I always encourage parents. I'm like, you can read all the research you want. You can go to Google scholar and you can type in tethered tissues. There is actually like a good amount of research surrounding breastfeeding, but we know it, it impacts more than just breastfeeding. Right. And, um, there's more coming out on speech. Like there's a couple articles that have mm-hmm. been published now. Um, I think there's more, I think the tricky thing too is understanding like the impact on solids, like as we transition to solids, you know, it goes beyond just breastfeeding. And so, yes, maybe the baby's made it and compensated really well until the six month point. And now, mm, well, it's time to start transitioning to solids and things are not going well. And I I recently like recorded an episode on this topic because I'm like, we see a ton of these kiddos, if they don't fall apart around like the three to five month point, like with breast or bottle feeding, all of a sudden, like some of them really fall apart around solid introduction. And it's like, what happened? Like, why don't they take yeah. anything? Yeah. Yeah. And that's one thing everyone's shocked when I'm like, stop saying food before one is just for fun because yeah. it's, thank you. they're <laughs> so, and they're like, but you're an IBCLC. I'm like, yeah, but like, I, but you I mean, can still educate on that. You yeah, can still like tell them, hey. <laughs> like, why though? Like, it, and like, it's not just about calories at all. It's sensory. It's learning how to chew and swallow correctly. And anytime I have somebody that comes to me and they're like, well, my baby just like will not eat solids. And I'm like, go to an SLP immediately. Get it, nip it in the butt now. Figure out yeah. what's going on. Yeah. Don't wait because- if you, I'm like, I can't help with that. That's not in my scope. You need to go see somebody that knows what they're doing and figures. And it's funny. I've noticed a lot of those kids have really high palates too. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. gag really easily. Yeah. 
Yep. Tongue is low and forward. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they, they may or may not have a tie, right? But like, we don't know until we really get in there. But oh yeah, we see the gag reflex that should have been moved back already is usually sitting kind of too far forward. And a lot of these kids are, again, living in fight or flight, right? And not that whole like rest and digest. Their nervous system is like constantly on edge. And now we're basically bringing these new textures, smells, tastes, like this whole sensory experience at their face and expecting them just to like take it willingly and are like, pump the brain. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's, and then if you have a tongue that doesn't know what to do and like, maybe they're not saying pump the brakes, but you put it in their mouth and they push it all right back out. And you notice like it's nothing's really staying in and you're like a couple weeks into this, like, <laughs> you should be able to spoon feed after the first like several trials. Do you just keeping it in their cheek even? And right. I'm like, yeah, that's not yeah. really. And so that was another. Like, yeah. Yeah. And that's another thing with Juliana is like, I noticed that was another thing I noticed. I completely forgot about, but she didn't start solids fully until like eight months. She would just gag on even yogurt. And I'm like, what the heck? And that's one that really like my mind just went like, and of course I'm like researching that. And I was like, you know, Dominic never had an issue with solids at all. He loved them. He ate really well. And then she took, you know, she wasn't until eight months until she started to really. And now like she's having to pick it out of her like palate and like her teeth in the back. And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's yeah. I always say, if you don't deal with it now, you're probably going to deal with it later, but you pick, you pick when you want to, you know, help the child out. That's fine. Yep, but yeah, I love how you said food before one is not just for fun. And I actually had like an episode titled that like, like <laughs> way back when in my first year of podcasting, I can't remember what, what number it is by any means you can, people can Google it, but I was like, I, I started saying that because I was hearing a lot of SLPs say like food before one is just for fun. People don't worry. And I'm thinking Uh-oh. like, food before one is not just for fun. Like, no, yeah. why are you promoting this? Like, I'm sorry, but it, it's not about like the calories. Like you said, like, yes, we still want to get a, like a majority of our calories from breast, you know, mm-hmm. or the bottle, but we have so much that happens from not just like an oral motor standpoint or sensory systems, but our gross motor, fine motor. I mean, it is a full body yeah. experience and we're missing out on so much if we constantly just look at it as like it being a, a fun little activity. And mm-hmm. it's like, we can make it fun, but it's not just for fun. Like there's a lot of development that's happening around that experience. So thank you for saying that. It makes me <laughs> Yeah. And uh, I mean, I, having the experience myself, I'm like, no, this yeah. is very important, very important. And then, yeah, I tell everyone, I'm like, it's ev- ev- everything you're doing when they're a baby is preventative care. I'm like, do you want to yeah. spend money now? That's, it's probably gonna be a lot less or yeah. like spend thousands on ortho and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's going to lead to that. And that I know because yeah. Juliana, um, I'm getting, yeah. <laughs> Same, same. Yeah. And now I'm the adult who's also like gone through my own stuff with like my nose surgery and expansion and all the things, despite having had expansion and braces as a teenage, you know, well, not even a teenager, like right before my teen years. And oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's fun. I know I have to do it for myself. Even I'm like constantly biting my own tongue because Mm -hmm. my mouth is so small. And they're like, you just have a small mouth, but your teeth are beautiful. I'm like, I'm not comfortable ever. And I only have one or two. And my husband's like, why did you mess them up? (laughs) I'm like, because breathing is really important to me, honey. Yes. (laughs) 
yeah I'm like wow I have a tongue tie because I didn't realize it didn't click until like probably last year (laughs) I'm like duh like because I mean my sisters all have one they're in denial about it but (laughs) this is how it all unravels Mm -hmm. I swear like every family goes through this process once you realize like a a member of the family has ties everyone else starts to like things start to click and then you kind of go like like a lot of parents will ask me, like, do I have a tie? Does my husband have a tie? <laughs> my other, does my brother have a tie? And I'm like, well, we would have to do an evaluation on you all. But if you're telling me that you have these symptoms, I highly recommend an evaluation. <laughs> yes, I know. I'm it's like, likely, but I can't confirm or deny. Yeah, I, it's really funny because I only have one wisdom tooth that, and it popped through during my twin pregnancy. Interesting. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. Cause my, my teeth started to shift and I was like, what's happening. And I'm like, gosh, now I'm going to have to spend a lot of money to like, just figure out what's going on. I need to, I'm just waiting until I'm not pregnant. Cause I'm like, I'm not. <laughs> so interesting. There's a, um, a dentist I recently connected with on Instagram and he was just posting about like wisdom teeth and how like we don't actually need to remove them unless they're causing like actual issues. And it, it was, we, we were kind of getting in this conversation and I was like, do you also believe that the jaws can start to shrink if we remove, you know, the, the wisdom teeth? And basically then in short, the answer was like, yes, because of what happens when you remove the tooth. But, um, I was just like, huh. So we already have like these shrinking jaws, right. Just as society. Yeah. And then we start removing teeth and then we do a lot of other retraction dentistry, which is just like a big no-no if you can avoid it. And if you have to retract, it's like, you want to put something in its place, which again, money, right? It's, it all money. So that's oftentimes a big determining factor, unfortunately, but. Yes. I'm yeah. I've been really diving into all of this and it's like, you can tell people who just, who are passionate and enjoy their work and other people who kind of just want to make money and I, I, um, definitely, I'm going to get work done, but I got to focus on Juliana first. And it's a wonderful time. It is so true. Yeah. It's challenging. I started with like Lily and then did a little Mia. And then I was like, I should get my tongue tie released. And then I went into my expansion while Lily went into hers. And yeah. <laughs> now Lily's in a different type of expansion and Mia's going into hers. And I'm like, but it's also like, I've tried to stagger some of it a little bit. So it wasn't like everything at the same time. And now we're just like, I'm like, what the heck? Like now we drive over an hour to our dentist in North Miami for their expansion and everything. So I'm like, yeah. can we put all these appointments together as much as you can? <laughs> that would probably be great. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot. And, you know, just, I try to like really tell everyone, like it really is preventative care to get everything done now and then it's so much less stressful it might seem stressful in the moment which it is I mean for any age really but it's, it's more than like preventative right like so some of it's preventative mm-hmm. but some of it you're actively treating a problem that already exists right yes. I mean so it you're doing both really and yeah. at the end of the day you can figure out a way to do it earlier is always better. And I always tell people you haven't missed the boat completely. If you're doing it later, like, don't think that's what we're saying. It can, yeah. Like there's adults go through all this too. It just becomes more expensive and it takes longer. I mean, quite yeah. frankly, like I tell you firsthand, it's, that's been my experience. Yeah. I've gotten yeah. so many people that come to me and they're like, is it too late? My baby's like X months old, like five, six, seven. Oh, I'm like, great. no, no, it's not 
Like it's, I'm like, there's adults. There's probably people in their seventies doing this. Like literally it's, there are, there no, are. It's, it's never too late. And I'm like, it does, it can affect your airway. And later in life, you might have sleep apnea and all these other issues. And well, and we're like, seeing kids with sleep apnea. I mean, it's yeah. happening earlier and earlier. So it's, you know, arguably I always say to the mamas, like, trust your mama gut. If you feel like mm-hmm. something's up and nobody's listening to you, like keep going until yes. you find that provider or reach out to one of us. And like, we will help you find somebody or connect you with somebody in your area who gets it and who can maybe help connect you with like beyond, you know, because it's, it's, I feel like we are so, con- we're living in a world that's so connected in certain ways, but so disconnected in others. I'm yes. like, and- <laughs> the ways that matter <laughs> yeah and I I mean because I work in this field I feel like I'm seeing it more often and it's just like huh and I'm like maybe it's like an epigenetic issue more than 100%. oh yeah um, I fully believe that and teach that <laughs> I mean oh, our yeah. jaws are just getting smaller yes. and smaller so of course like it's not going to detach in the womb like it should if there's no yeah. space and I, I, <laughs> I do I believe like, epigenetics. And I also feel like because we're specialized in what we do, like we get those patients, right? Like they're coming yeah. with problems. We're going to see a higher incidence, like within our own patient caseload, at least that's my belief Than yes. you know, like we looked at like all the babies born and the past month in our area. So, you know, I think I, I always have like, I've had parents say to me, does every child that you see have a tongue tie? And I'm yeah. like, no, actually not, but a high number do, because that's why people come to me. They come mm-hmm. to me when they've been to umpteen other people and they've been turned away and the problem's not, you know, getting any better and they finally find their way to me. And so, yeah, I do, you know, we do see a much larger number probably than like the person down the street who's working on speech and language with two-year-olds, you know, because that's, that's my specialty. So, but yeah, 100% epigenetics. And I love looking at, um, the work there's like more and more work being done on like the pre they look at like prehistoric skulls. Have you seen any of this? Yes. Work? It's so yeah. interesting. Like Kevin Boyd and Mariana Evans and some others. And so it's very, very fascinating to see. So like, yes, we can all agree that our, our skulls are shrinking. Our jaws are shrinking, but even within like within our jaws, we cause a larger issue with like retraction dentistry and you know, um, headgear and all that stuff like that was so popular when I was growing up and when others, you know, older than me yeah, were growing up yeah, and we're all kind of going like, oh, okay. A lot of that restorative dentistry and stuff is actually causing a lot of harm and interesting. All right. Yeah. I, and it's so funny. Like looking back, I remember all of my, except for me, all of my sisters, my three sisters had, um, a gap between their teeth and they told my mom it was a muscle and the muscles just until you cut the muscle and I'm like what <laughs> so wow. they had it wrong obviously but I was yeah. just like mom that's not true and I keep trying to like reiterate it to her I'm like there's not a muscle that's causing it it's the frenulum <laughs> and it's restrictive I'm like and then I'm like they <laughs> yeah I'm like and they have tongue ties like I can literally see them um and you can tell just by so much. And my youngest sister has a lot of health issues. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, go get an go get a sleep study, an airway scope, go get a diagnosis for your tongue tie because like you have one. I'm sorry, you did. Like I can't diagnose you, obviously, but I'm I'm. 
in this enough to where I can remember that you can have that conversation with. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I tell everybody, I'm like, if nothing else, especially for like older kids and adults, like a home sleep test is very easy to come by. You don't have to go to a sleep center. You will probably, you you may pay out of pocket, but maybe not. Depends on like your doctor or your dentist if they have money. And they're not super expensive. And like, you can do a study at home. And then I always tell everybody like to contact Ken Hooks. I'm like, even if you do it and it's covered through, um, if you don't want to like pay hundred percent out of pocket, cause you can get it covered through like your dentist or your, your MD, then ask for the raw data and send it to Ken. And for like $50, he'll read the raw data and tell you a very different interpretation of what you might've received from your doctor or you know, other oh, wow, that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. So I'll have to send you more information later, but <laughs> it's really very cool because, you know, like he went over and I, we did an episode where he went over my results and I have upper airway resistance syndrome, but like don't have sleep apnea, but I never go into REM sleep. I never stay in REM sleep. The second I go in, my body's like, nope. And I come like right out of it, mm-hmm. but I don't have Yeah. So like, I basically am like one of those missed cases and came to realize, oh, it's because like, I have a deviated septum and I don't breathe out of the left side of my nose and I have enlarged turbinates and nasal swell bodies and okay. So Hallie's breathing yeah. good at night. Cool. Cool. No wonder I'm always exhausted. Right. So yeah, it came oh to surgery and all that stuff, but that's a combo for another day. So yeah, I know. I, I really like how Autumn talks about hers in the training and like shows photos and she's been like updating people on it. I'm like, Yes, yeah. I love looking at her results. And then yes. um, I think, you know, Megan Thornburg, she, mm-hmm. she's been doing some work on herself her and I talk yeah. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. No, it's so fun in this space, especially when you can like connect with others to get it. And yeah. that, that's, we always say, come hang out with us. Like we're a fun group and it will help try and connect you with people in your area. So Well, this has been amazing. Thank you so much, Gina, for joining me and sharing your story and your kiddos and, you know, all the work (laughs) you're doing. It's it, we need more people. We need more IBCLCs like you who can like get out there and educate the families and who play, you play such an important part on the team. Like I don't do breastfeeding. Like I'm not trained in that. And so like we collaborate, right? Like we collaborate between us on what you do, you do what you do. I do what I do. We talk together. Like we figure out, like, I know we're not on the same team, but like we figure out like ideally the best approach for a patient. And so we definitely, we need more IBCLCs who are doing your work and educating the families and really just, you know, out there helping families navigate this space. Cause it's so challenging. It is. And I have so much respect for you guys. Like I was even looking into becoming an SLP and I was like, I don't think it's going to work for a a while. (laughs) It's a lot of schooling, but I was like, gosh, it's such a cool field. And I respect you guys so much. And I try to refer out as much as possible. Thank you. I appreciate that. No, we all, we all need to come together and work together for the benefit of our families. So thank you. Thank you. This has been awesome. And we'll chat soon. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you want to hear more of these Mayo Tots airway and feeding related episodes, be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or pledge a small amount on patreon.com forward slash the untethered podcast. If you found value, others you know in this space will too. So be sure to share this episode on your social media platforms and join us over on Facebook, on my Facebook page at Hallie Balkan Biz, on Instagram at, at Hallie Balkan. And you can head over to the untetheredpodcast.com to grab a copy of the show notes um, where you can also subscribe to be kept up to date on the latest podcast episodes. 